0: All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, same 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 dance, different week. We're another week in the books. We're here to discuss our week 12 recap. It's Wednesday evening. Week 13 is less than 24 hours from being upon us. As always, how you feeling this evening?
1: Feeling great, Weston. Happy hump day, brother man. <laughs>
0: You ain't kidding, man. We were just talking about how this has been a a long week returning back to work after extended weekend, getting our kids back in order. I think you and I have earned the right to take some time here and and rap about football for a little while. I think so. I agree. Lou, one thing I am floored over is I honestly can't believe we're already discussing the happenings from week 12 and forecasting week 13 of the 2021 NFL season. It honestly feels like just yesterday we were covering the senior bowl as we kicked off, you know, this venture that we were, we started together. And I honestly am saddened by this because I just don't want this season to end.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been an extremely weird season uh, to say the least. I feel like, you don't. It's, there's still no clarity in the AFC. What's going on? You know who who are the real contenders? Because it's anyone's week. I feel like every week we change our tune, Uh just like the rest of the, so, like you know media. You know who are the real contenders? You know a couple of weeks ago it was the Titans. Now it's you know perhaps uh, the Patriots and what have you. So it's just been a r- extremely weird year this year. And normally, as a Chargers fan, I find myself usually this late in the season, focusing on the draft. I think that's going to be delayed right now uh, for a little (laughs) bit, probably about for another two weeks before I start really doing some draft homework, um, being that the Chargers will be out of it by then. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the season. It's been fun. It's been real exciting too, man.
0: Yeah, I I love how you're leading in, right? I feel like you're almost stealing the words right from me that I put together for this evening's intro and basically saying that, like, as we get deeper into the season – This is the time of year where playoff teams are starting to kind of take shape, but the races are real tight for these wild card spots in both the AFC and NFC. Uh, So many teams are still in contention for essentially what amounts to those like six and seven seeds, right? I feel like one through four for the most part in each division for the most part are, are relatively kind of wrapped up even that that fifth spot. So that, that first wild card, but, you have six teams in the AFC who all have a shot at the final wild card spot, right? Like six teams for one final spot. While in the NFC, you have seven teams that are actually in contention for the sixth and seventh seed spot. So by my calculations, there are probably only five teams across a 32-team league who are pretty much at this point Mathic- mathematically out of contention and that's not even a true statement right because there are two teams sitting at three and eight that could go on an improbable run and people could go on an improbable fall so they're not even mathematically eliminated in reality they're like three teams that are truly mathematically eliminated from the playoffs which is wild like how is that for parity in a league that we always talk about, there's not enough parody from, from time to time. Um, That being said, I think we got a lot of cool stuff to cover this evening. My suggestion is unless you got something to add, we should probably just jump right into this and and get into our different segments here this evening.
1: Yeah. I just want, I just want to get over my hometown take, uh, to be honest with you. It's something I'm not really looking forward to. Uh, So go ahead, team me up, you know, set me up. Go ahead, Uh Wesson.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lob in the softball for you. Begin like we always do with our hometown takes. Your Chargers had the the Denver Broncos. My 49ers had the Minnesota Vikings. Lou, the floor is yours.
1: Tell me what you saw this weekend from your Chargers. I saw a pain, Weston. I saw a pain. That's what I saw. Uh, I'll start off with the good because it's short and sweet like myself. Uh, just Derwin James. He was the only sole bright spot. Uh, on that Chargers uh, team uh, this past Sunday against the Broncos. Uh, He was all over the field. He was a menace. He was flying all around the field. He had seven tackles, two tackles for a loss, and a beautiful diving interception. Outside of his play, where he showed everyone that, yes, he is a top five safety in the league, there's really nothing to appreciate from a Chargers fan standpoint. It just was an awful game. And I get it. This I'm see. I'm done with my good. By the way, unless you want to add something, because I'm done. Like that was it. Like right. that's how bad this game was.
0: So I I, I can't I can't let your Chargers go out like that because I too watched this did. game. I, they did. Um, but I would say if I had to come back to some of the the good. So this is like good with bad. Um, You had another week where Herbert was like the leading rusher, which we talked about like is not a winning formula, but it is something that he is certainly capable of. One of the things that I would talk about from a bad perspective is it just felt like the O-line gave up a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure.
1: You're you're stealing my thunder. Yes, but But
0: I'm going to parlay this into something good that I saw. I am still on the Justin Herbert bandwagon. Because for all of that pressure, he was only sacked one time, if memory serves me correctly. Maybe two, but I want to say one time he was sacked. He's really special avoiding the rush and getting outside of the pocket and getting on the move and being able to still see the field. And his first instinct is not to take off. Like, he's his head is up, he's looking downfield, And to me, that that's still a bright spot that you can take away from this game. Just the mere fact at like, dude, trust me, from having a quarterback that can't do those things, like it had me longing for an individual that could like on paper, statistically, he made his offensive line look a lot better than they actually played. And I just found that to be something that you know, for the next five to seven years, why his legs will still do that for him. That's going to bring, that's going to breed special opportunities and big play opportunities where, you know, a potential sack is going to turn into a 45, 50 yard play chunk play down the field because he's buying that time. And you and I know how difficult it is to cover wide receivers in this league for more than three seconds, right? and he get he gives himself the opportunity and his receivers the opportunity to run around for longer than three seconds and get open so to me that was also outside the play of derwin james because i agree with you he just looked phenomenal in this game um i i i, I liked what i saw from herbert in that
1: regard so you're, you're you're just being sweet because you knew how much of a shit show this past sunday was with the charges no uh Herbert didn't play good, in my opinion, and I don't think that's all on him. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So let's talk about some of the bad. Sometimes the team just has your number, especially within the division. When you play within the division, the Los Angeles Chargers are five and sixteen in less twenty one matchups against the Broncos. They just do not match up well against Denver. That's just that it's, just, it's that apparent. Uh, like I said, Herbert was not good. He made plenty of poor throws, awful decisions. He had two interceptions, but damn, could have been near four. If you ask my opinion, couldn't push the ball down the field. This is my, so this is why I'm not so upset at Herbert. All right. I feel like. Herbert's being to do, he's uh, being asked to do too much. Meaning the only way the chargers can win a game is if he's perfect. And the fact that they have six wins right now means he has six, pretty much six perfect games and the five losses. He was damn, some of the five losses, he was damn near perfect. For example, the Cowboys game and what have you. he's, He's pretty close to perfect. So I'm not putting this all on him. I'm putting this some of it on the coaching staff, Um, and I'm going to get into that a little later. But you did say something earlier about the pressures. You were right. The Chargers allowed a season high 19 pressures on Denver uh, to Denver on Sunday. In particular, it was their off the street guards playing like off the street players. They have no business being on the field. Uh, They allowed 11 pressures between both guards. See, that's the issue. What do I always say? I say an interior interior pressure is more catastrophic than the uh, uh, edge-rushing pressure because it's right in your face. Quarterbacks can't step up in the pocket and throw and deliver. It's extremely more distracting. Um, that was my issue right there. And what the crazy thing is, we're talking about all these pressures, 19 pressures. All right, so Denver is noted for blitzing about almost like 33% of the time. D, uh, Daniel Popper, who covers the Chargers, uh, made a note. Los Angeles faced pass rushers of four men or fewer over 88 of the time. So it's not like Denver was doing the cra- their crazy blitzes like they have been in the past. They just were they just were rushing four or fewer, and they still were able to get home on the majority of those pass rushing situations. That's that's how you know your offensive line played bad. So um, those are some of the things that are concerning to me. It's the coaching not putting the players in, in uh, an ability to be successful because they even said today, I think Staley was the coach of the charge of saying, yeah, we want, uh, we were expecting pretty much a lot of uh, blitzes and we, in order to combat that we knew our offensive line, I'm paraphrasing by the way, no. but uh, well, we're, pa- we knew our offensive line needed some additional help. So we had a numerous, I think it was like 60% of like max protection or pretty damn close to it. Max protection is when you drop when you keep tight ends in and running backs in and you only run like three men routes. So Denver wasn't blitzing. So they totally misread the game, the game script there and the game flow there. Uh, this hasn't been the first time that co- the coaching of the Chargers have failed them. When they played New England, don't forget, <clears throat> they were totally perplexed because New England uh, played a lot of cover two shell uh, defenses. And pretty much Herbert even said that's something that they haven't showed all season. So this coaching, I'm a little concerned about this coaching, uh, this coaching staff and their ability to make adjustments, because this is the second or third time pretty much say they weren't prepared when it comes to, you know, going into a game. So that is a little concerning. And, Weston, I actually want to call you out right now. I'm going to drag you through the mud a little bit because earlier this year, especially not the first and you won't be the last. Yeah. Buckle up here. (laughs) You made me believe in the Chargers this year. When, when I said, I said they were a year away and you were so goddamn convincing with your arguments and your and, and your tone and, and, and your Matthew McConaughey S, you know, uh, you know, flow and and what have you that. No, this is the Chargers. Now, this is their ability now. And I said, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. And then I I made that corny ass joke that, you know. This Chargers is built like a Madden roster where in the setting, where in the settings, injury and fatigue is turned off. They don't have depth at the offensive line. They don't have depth at the defensive line. They do not have a viable running back, too. Now, Eckler is phenomenal, but you notice he doesn't get a trim like the last couple of weeks. They limit his touches because they don't want to wear him down throughout the whole season. The issue is they don't know who the hell to put behind him No one's producing, no one's showing, stepping up in that RB2 uh, scenario. So they are a team that is a year before their time at minimum, because next year they do have $76 million in cap space. Hopefully they get off their ass and find their wallet and start spending, but they are a year before their time. And I'm sorry. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I think, I think, we're looking at a nine-win season. We're all comes to said done, just missing the playoffs. You notice the trend here, the games that they do get killed in, are defensive-minded coaches. You have Zimmer in the Vikings. You have uh, Fangio of the Broncos. You have Belichick of the Patriots. And you have Harbaugh of the Ravens. They got destroyed by all three, all four teams. And they all have something in common. These defensive-minded coaches are, have been perplexing them Uh, Not just Justin Herbert, who's having trouble post-snap when it comes to reading their defenses, but also the coaching staff because there's a lot of things they're not prepared for when they're out there. And that's my two cents.
0: All right. Well, I got two cents for you, too. Um, I still believe in this team. I am not changing my tone whatsoever. You know damn well I do not not subscribe to – it's a year too early. It's a year too late, like – It's the NFL like a year later, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like and and knock on wood when I say this, but like, yeah, so what? You got 70 something million dollars to spend next year. What happens if your pride and glory goes down in the preseason, right? Like then it's then it matters nothing, right? So you got to take advantage of it while you're playing. Well, I'm going to counteract your argument. You're not wrong in the assessment of these defensive minded head coach led teams are causing problems for the chargers that's that's on the offensive coordinator like and that's on the head coach like be better like be better be prepared you mentioned like not prepared it's one thing not being prepared heading into a game like hey we expect them to run this defense and they don't run that defense like make a fucking adjustment you know what i mean like see that that's that's that's... my concern is like make the adjustment in the game if they're only rushing four Why do we need to have seven blockers in at all times? Because now they have seven people to cover your three people who are running routes. It just doesn't mathematically add up and make sense. So that's where my biggest concern is. Lou, you can't look at me and tell me they don't have all the talent in the world on the offensive side of the ball. And this is an offensive driven
1: league. All right. All right. So I think this is they're kind of like a Monet. Yeah, they look beautiful from afar, but they're far from beautiful. Let me tell you why. They had those big names. Herbert, yes. They got some good offensive linemen, in particularly the left tackle, left guard, and the center. They got Eckler. They got Keenan, and they got Williams. However, they have absolutely no deep threat. And what I mean in deep threat is your speedster that takes the, you know, the yep. you know, top off the defense. Let me tell you why this is imperative. First and foremost, when you have someone that's legitimate – a threat to the defense uh, to you know to you know take it to the house or go you know ninety yards for a you know bomb touchdown. What that basically does is open up the intermediary uh, uh, you know parts of the field, right? So that's going to help. He's got to get like, deep. Yeah, that's going to help uh, you know uh, Keenan and, and Mike Williams and what have you. But also we said this over the off season too with uh, Sarkasian, what he said. All right, so yeah, the Charges put. Great, like drives together, like you know, fifteen play drives, and you know they score a touchdown. Great, you cannot consistently rely on fifteen play drives because yep. what happens at fifteen play drives? Sometimes mm-hmm. you get the touchdown, but most of the time, you're going to have numerous instances where penalties will derail that drive, or uh turnovers, or or just a negative play of negative rushes. You need to have shorter drives, uh, to, so you have the ability to make less mistakes on those longer drives. So you need to have a healthy combination of, yeah, we can go March down 15, 15 plays and score a touchdown, but you also better be aware because we also go, we also can go Kansas city chiefs on your ass and hit you off uh, three plays and 80 yards. So you need yeah. to have that ability. And I find it weird when their offense is sputtering. I also felt like uh this past week, they didn't really change the tempo of their offense when they're successful. They're in the huddle. Call play, run a play, and then randomly, you know, speed speed up a play, almost like your Aaron Rodgers has. That was not apparent this weekend whatsoever. Uh, They looked very lethargic. Uh, Denver was coming off a bye, and like I said, they just don't match up well against Denver in the last, like, you know, six years,
0: seven years. I I love the point that you make because this is one of my points that like the Chargers' offense looks the best when they're in two minute o, right? Like their best drive of the game was right before the the first half ended. I mean, they took that ball down the field with ease and did it quickly. And it wasn't a time-consuming drive. But I think a lot of teams are, are this way, right? Because you spend a lot of time practicing two-minute. Um, and in two-minute, you're calling your plays and letting the defense react, right? So, like, the offensive coordinator is not in their own head reacting to the defense. You're like, this is the play we're going to run, right? Like, th- And let them figure it out sort of thing. But I agree with you with the weapons that they have the way that they're built an up tempo offense um suits them well right especially with a young quarterback like you just you take the the thought process out of it and it's like just go execute just go well, execute What you're
1: really doing you're forcing the defense to uh, to play dummy down defense I mean yeah. like they can't they can't uh, adjust uh as frequently as they would like to uh, you just catch them off guard, so that's yep. what you're really trying to do. Can't
0: substitute. Yeah. They can't blitz. They can't do a lot when you when just yeah, then just cover two, yep. cover three, yep.
1: you know. Yep. And last but not least, because I really do want to get off the off the Chargers, uh, because um, I, I feel just I just know my blood pressure medicine is not working as good as it should be right now. But <laughs> the, tra- the 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 Broncos run the same type of defense as the Chargers. Uh, too high safety. Where was the running? Where where was the running rushing attack against the Broncos? Why Couldn't they run the ball? I think that would have been extremely beneficial, uh, to try it because it was, all the boxes were so light. Uh, it works against the charges, in theory, it should work against uh, you know, the broncos too. But uh, I, I digress, all
0: right. I mean, this is my number one point that I have in my notes from this game is that like what you just talked about that the broncos seem to just be able to run the ball at will, um, and in big time scenarios, right? Like they could run you know, third and five and still run for it and get a first down, right? Like second and six, still run third, for it, get a first third
1: down. and 11, uh, third and goal from the 11 yard line. And they ran it on a draw and scored a friggin' touchdown. It's, Come on, man.
0: Yeah. To me, Lou, watching this game, it just, and I know that the Broncos play the chargers tough. Right. And you know, like this is why I love divisional games. Right. Because sometimes the better team doesn't win because like somebody just got your number, you know, Um, there's always a big brother scenario. And I felt like the Broncos defense was like almost in the huddle with the Chargers offense. Like they just made them work hard and earn every yard, every reception. Um, honestly, from this game, it looked like the Broncos had a top ten defense in the NFL. And they do not, but it looked like that they did, like they were all over the place. Um, I agree with you that while Herbert only had two picks, he probably should have thrown three or four this game. But I also think think that's four, yeah. That's that's game flow sometimes too, right? Like, hey, like I gotta put this on my shoulders, nothing else is getting done. We're not running the football, we're not doing anything. But to me, the one that was not his fault is the one that broke the Chargers back, right? So Austin Eckler dropped yeah, that off, for pick six. Yeah, yeah, like
1: that's that not on, them. That's that not, was not over because it was the I think they were only was, they were eight. down seven. They were down oh, seven. seven. Eight, seven. Yeah. So and, down seven. And yeah. and they were actually were driving.
0: Yeah, and they put yeah. them down 14. Um, thirteen actually, because I think they missed the extra. I think Denver missed the extra point there, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Um, yeah, y'all can't kick for shit. Miss field goals, right? Like that makes it a. Oh, that a was a 50,
1: Man, that was a fifty-two yeah. yarder. But I that mean, was ugly,
0: that. bro. That wasn't even close. It doesn't
1: matter. It's all, we need our kickers just to make thirty and forty yards. Yeah. So I don't expect them to make fifty yarders So I'm a realistic fan.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. Um, fifty yards is tough, man. That's what kickers get paid. You know, like. You know, like that's the that's the money, right? Like Man. if they can hit the fifty yarder, that's a bonus, and that's why NFL teams now go for it on fourth and five and fourth and six and that like no man's land. This is my final comment, and then we'll move on.
1: Please, I just don't know how <laughs> else
0: to describe it other than the Chargers just fell out of sync. Like that, that's it, right? I think that's like the perfect summarization. Is they just watching that game as an outsider, just felt like they were out of sync, struggled to find a rhythm. When they did, it was in spurts and very small spurts at that. All
1: right. (sighs) All right. All right. So let's Yeah,
0: WUSA. Now you get to listen to me for a few minutes here. So let's get into that 49ers-Vikings game. Um, Hey, I'll start it with – that's three wins in a row by the exact same formula that we've been winning football games, right? Punch the other team in the mouth, in the trenches, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to start with the bad. And I do always struggle to find bad, like especially in this type of game where this was a very important win. Like we talked about last week that this had playoff-esque feels to it, two teams that we felt their record was not necessarily indicative of the team that they had. So it's hard for me to, to find some things. The one thing that stands out to me is the giving up that special teams touchdown to bring it within a single possession in that game, right? Like, I honestly can't remember. It's been quite some time that I can remember having a kickoff return for a touchdown against the 49ers. I should have went back and actually looked at it. he good, though. That, that, that rookie? He's, yeah, it's the second of the year. Yeah. Um, and he's been – and even throughout the game, like, he was getting chunk returns, right? So it was only a matter of time. But, like, you just went up fourteen. And then all of a sudden just erases everything that you did and they didn't even touch the ball offensively when your defense had been starting, was starting to stifle them. So that that's big. And usually special team, those are blunders, right? Like somebody missed a lane, somebody missed a tackle, somebody missed an assignment, and that's why I was brought to the house. Can't have those. Some other bad opening drive, Jesus. Jimmy missed high twice on open receivers, bad throws. Call it whatever you want just jimmy Um, being jimmy man. jimmy being jimmy we
1: we, we complained about before so many times prior and he threw a pick
0: on the opening our opening drive after we held them to go three and out that's actually now three opening drives this year that have resulted in a turnover for us and that actually leads the nfl and i don't think you would disagree with me but that's not a category that you want to lead the nfl in right
1: like that you guys start rather (laughs) like
0: honestly you know um at one point, Jimmy was like two of seven, right? Um, I, I think another thing that if I was being nitpicking here, like we too struggled to complete the pass rush. It felt like Denver's defense felt like we had a ton of pressure. We just weren't getting home. We had one sack um, by Bosa and and that was it, right? Another week, you and I are singing the same song, and dance in penalties, continue to plague this team. And they always seem to pop rear their ugly head in inopportune moments and then the the biggest downfall of this game were the key injuries right so now you have debo out with the groin injury yeah. probably a couple weeks um but this is my concern they're saying two, but like it's a groin right it could be two it could be the rest of the season like you yeah. literally don't know um but this has always been my concern like while i'm having a lot of fun watching them use debo the way that they do I am genuinely concerned about that because you're giving him different touches. You're giving him more opportunity to take contact as a wide receiver. Yes, he's built for that contact, but he's still not a running back, right? Like, at the end of the day, he's still not a running back, and you're exposing him. Um,
1: yeah, if he rushes the ball, for example, listen, if he rushes the ball like seven times, he's getting hit by either linebackers or defensive linemen seven times, as opposed to if he's catching seven passes, he's getting hit usually by corners and safeties. Yeah. Not and getting run out downs. of bounds. Like yeah, how yeah.
0: often is he being brought to the ground? And the way that he runs, you give him seven touches, he's getting hit 10 or 12 times, right? Because yeah. he's busting through tackles. I get it. Like he's special, but like it has been weighing on me in the back of my mind that something like this can happen. What made it even more painful was it was non-contact. Like he literally just went down. Yeah. Like it wasn't even hit, and he just like went down. The other one's Fred Warner, likely to miss. This is a hammy, right? This could be one week. This could be the rest of the season. You never know with with, with hamstrings. And then Dre, Dre Greenlaw in his first week back, he's going to miss more time, reaggravating his groin injury. So tough losses when you have a divisional game coming up against the Seahawks. And I don't care what the Seahawks record says. The forty, like you talked about, how the Broncos own you. The Seahawks own the 49ers over the last seven years plus, right? So like you want all of your people you want to be playing well going in full strength especially having to travel on the road so let me get into the good mm-hmm. i said earlier three wins in a row Um, after a very slow rocky start from jimmy he did get back on track and was steady through the remainder of the game what was actually the most impressive to me was there were a number of times where Kittle even the running backs were open underneath, which is like typical Jimmy check down moments that he would just do, right? Like dump it off four or five yards is what it is. But he hung in there a little longer at times and took shots down the field to Ayuk for bigger plays. And I was like, whoa, like he hung in there for a second, waited a moment longer and threw his wide receiver open into the middle of the field. Like that's some of the progression that, i've been looking for for the last two years um that just hasn't seemed to to come um another bright shining star in this game to me was elijah mitchell returning after missing a week he went for 133 and a td caught five passes 35 yards love this kid runs hard he does exactly what kyle shanahan <laughs> dreams of uh that one cut and go type running back a super fast and he's and he's dude, he's like hard to bring down and he's not a big guy, right? Like I have seen many times where he's, he's hit at three or four yards and it's an eight yard carry. And it's not even like he's carrying everybody. It's just like he, he's natural motion is he gets hit, hit still has a little balance and is still leaning forward, you know? And, and, and I love that about him. Um, I think most are going down. Like these guys are, clones to one another outside of like who runs upright, who runs more low pack to the ground. But you're talking about similar 40 times, similar one cut go mentalities, just find the whole um they have a similar skill set. And honestly, at this point, I feel like Elijah Mitchell is looking like a steal out of this draft in the sixth round for his production right now.
1: It's funny everyone was talking about Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon, yep. Trey Sermon in that draft. And lo and behold, yeah, the other Niners got themselves a running back in the draft. It wasn't Trey Sermon.
0: No, it certainly wasn't. Um Sermon's going to struggle to make this roster next year. Um not make the roster. He'll get another shot, but they love Jermichael Hasty, Raheem Mostert's going to get another shot to come back and be Jeff healthy. Wilson. They love Jeff Wilson. Uh, Sermon's going to struggle. Um yeah. don't be surprised if you don't see if you see him move this offseason for like a fifth or sixth round pick and just chalking up the loss and recoup- recouping some draft capital.
1: <sighs> That's a-
0: um, to me, IU continues to ascend, just continues to to do more. That's just great news, especially considering Debo's out. I think you'll see a lot of this week him getting Demo, Debo similar type work, not necessarily lining up in the backfield, but you'll see more jet sweeps. You'll see a little bit more trickery with his name because he too is special after the catch. He's more elusive. He's not like a bowling ball like Debo, um, but he is definitely special after the catch. And the biggest for me from uh, two players that I have left, one was Jawan Jennings. Nobody knows Jawan Jennings, right? I know Jawan Jennings not just because he's a 49er, but I'm a Tennessee Vols fan, right? And he's just like I love your boy Palmer. I love Jawan Jennings coming out. He plays like a dog. He's big. He's physical. Um, He's actually been involved in north of like 60% of the team's snaps for like the last three weeks, even with a healthy Debo and Ayuk on the field. So he's he's finally getting into the mix. Like I said, he's He's big. He's a blocking receiver, right? Yes, which is – Dude, he caught a touchdown. He made a premier catch on a third down in traffic where he bullied this ball out of somebody. Caught a touchdown pass. Caught a second touchdown pass that they overturned because they said the knee hit out of bounds. But last I checked the rule in the NFL is if the shin hits before the knee comes down, that's the equivalent of two feet. I think they blew this call. I think he should have had two touchdowns where we settle for a field goal. But you just, like you just said, More important, the most important element of his game and him being on the field is he bolsters the running game because he is a physical downfield blocker. And if we want to beat Seattle, we have to do exactly what we did over these last three weeks. Have to run the ball 40 times, has to be north of 150 rushing yards. You have to eat up clock. You have to keep Russell Wilson off the field and keep him out of sync. And that's the formula. And I think he helps that.
1: Yeah. Correct me fu- if I'm wrong. He, he, he had a pretty good preseason too, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yep.
0: Yep. I, I thought this was the year we would see him even earlier. Yeah. Um. You know, Trent Shurfield was also somebody who had a really good preseason that was catching a, a lot, but I've been high on Jawan since he was a rookie. I just felt like this was a guy that I thought would play his way onto the field sooner. Um. And now his physicality is shown like, What's the best thing about George Kittle is he's a better blocker than he is receiver, right? Like at the end of the day, I don't care what you say. Like he makes our running game go and you have another guy who carries a similar mentality spread out wide. He's going to eat up cornerbacks. He's going to chip on linebackers like you can play him all over the place. I I love that. And then the final player for me that I'll highlight and then I want to get into a couple concepts right here is Aziza Shire. The game of his lifetime he's really coming into his own as a linebacker position the timing could not be more perfect with Greenlaw and warner being out he's going to wear the green dot um and I, and I love it a lot of 49er pundits have been on this guy for a while and throughout the course of this season um you've, he's gotten his opportunity because greenlaw has been out for the majority of the season and he's really shined so more more about him a little later but I said before, right? As a team, we're just playing bully ball. We ran sixty-seven total plays, thirty-nine carries, five point three yards per carry for two hundred eight yards, and we ate up thirty-seven minutes of time of time possession. That's a formula for winning football games, no matter how you cut it. But here's my favorite thing, Lou, and then I'll let you say whatever you want. We can get out of here because I know where we're staying long on our teams here. My most favorite thing about this game is actually a series of possessions that a head coach could not script any better than the way this unfolded. So it started with eight minutes and 35 seconds left in the second quarter. We took the ball down for 15 plays, ran, went 85 yards, ate up eight minutes and 20 seconds of that clock, resulting in a touchdown right before the half to Jennings, leaving the Minnesota Vikings with no time, and we get the ball to start the second half. This is like the Bill Belichick special, right? Like end the half, get the ball at the second half. We went six plays to start the second half, six plays for 75 yards and a Debo TD on the very next possession, Cousins throws a pick on the first play that we return to the two yard line and one play later punch it in from Elijah Mitchell. So that is 21 consecutive unanswered points in, in theory, if you just look at the time that the first touchdown was scored in like four minutes of game time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's how you win fo- Like you could not dream up a better scenario. That was some of the best sequential football I have seen from any team in a long time. And like it just was the right formula, right? Like you get the ball with eight minutes left and you go into a four-minute offense, right? Like we're gonna eat clock, we're gonna run this down, and you did it for eight minutes. Then you start it off, you go down the field, boom. Then the quarterback shits the bed, throws an interception on the first play. I don't even know what he was looking at. You're on the two yard line. Boom. Another one. Like this game went from 14, seven to 28, 14 in a flash. Yep. And it was, it was wild, dude. A uh, great game, a game we needed to win. Absolutely had to win. Puts us in the, the sixth slot, um, for the, um, for the wild card in
1: the NFC playoffs. Yeah. And you guys are starting to peak at the right time. Uh, like I said earlier in the year, this is why you stick with Jimmy J. Uh, I mean, he doesn't look great, but you just need – with your defense, the way he's been playing as of late, and also your rushing attack, you don't need a, a, a quarterback to you know to win you a game. You just need a quarterback to manage your game, and that's what he's been doing. And listen, with the Rams faltering and, you know, Cowboys starting to slip a little bit, I'm not saying you're going to catch up to like their type of record or what have you, but – who else is out there? You know, the Saints, I think, lost three in a row. So yep. think about it. It's it's you beat one of your prime competitors for that last spot, the Vikings. So um yeah, I think you yeah, I think you're starting to peak at the right time.
0: Hopefully. Um I think I think This weekend we'll be telling against Seattle in Seattle, a game that we should on paper go in and win, need to go in and win it. Need to go in and win it. Can't give up any momentum because then you have Cincinnati the following week on the road. Like, got to go in and win this game. All right. So let's get out of here. Okay. Get into – tell me what you are freaking out
1: about. Well, my goal for the rest of the show is to see how I can annoy and piss you off, Weston, because – you made me believe in the Chargers a year too early. So what I'm freaking out is my boy Tua and the Dolphins. Oh, All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Tua and the Dolphins have now entered the playoff chat with three three wins in a row. Uh, Tua has been balling. You know, Weston's boy Tua has been balling over the last three games. Weston's guy has a QB rating of over 100 in each of those games. In the last two games, he's had over 80% completion uh, of his passes. And by the way, let's take a peek ahead of their next three games, home against the Giants, home against the Jets, and on the road against the Saints. You know, Wesson, I think your boy is going to start showing why the Dolphins picked them. I think they can be uh, a sneaky competitor for that seventh spot. But don't look now. The Dolphins are, you know, getting hot, you know, in Miami, and they're starting to show that, you know, just like you predicted, Tua is the real deal.
0: Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna rebuttal this fucking <laughs> immediately. Let's look at the caliber of, of competition. Hey, right? no,
1: no, Weston, you you literally have said you only play the te- the teams. You can only play the, the teams field. on your schedule. You're don't, right. Don't 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 do this to me, Weston. Don't don't go back on your word. But You're, be a man. Let's
0: be real here. The Carolina Panthers who are reeling unbelievably, and let's call it what it is. That so. In well, order. from an
1: offense, from a defensive standpoint, they're not—they're no slouches. No, nope. Carolina,
0: New York Jets, Baltimore. So you have two two real team, two real defenses yeah. on that list. But I will tell you right now that in both the Carolina game and in the Baltimore game, the the Mi- Miami's defense balled out and put that offense in very opportunistic scenarios. Tua Tuga Viola had very little to do in influencing these wins. Stop it, Weston. Stop Weston, Weston, at the Weston, Weston. Weston. Stop Weston. Weston.
1: Weston. Hear me out. Ask any Giant fans; they all know that quarterbacks are the sole reason for wins. Uh, so Eli <laughs> Manning was the only reason why they won those Super Bowls. So Tua is the only reason why they won those games. You can t- ask, ask any Giants fan, and they will tell you that. Bro, he threw for two. Th- 30 last week. Let's let's slow 80%, the 80% completion percentage. Okay. What
0: what was his yard per attempt?
1: It doesn't matter. It
0: matters, Lou. You, you talked about in your top 10 quarterbacks. It does, you yeah. You, it you matters. Like eight, yeah. Yeah. Like All right, who's your out. next freak? Who's your All freaking right. out? I, we have to get out of that immediately. So if I'm the if I'm the Seahawks, I'm freaking out, right? Like if I'm the Seattle Seahawks, I'm absolutely freaking out. Three consecutive embarrassing losses. We're now three and eight damn near mathematically out of playoff contention at this lost point lost 5 of
1: 6 yeah so, there uh, is yeah.
0: nothing that tells me that this team could go win and rattle off 6 in a row right like there's nothing that says it um this has a, been a dominant franchise for the last decade right like dominant team in the NFC perennial playoff Contender, and they just look like an absolute shell in themselves. P. looks lost, Russell Wilson looks lost, and Russell Wilson's struggles go back to last year. They're not just happening this year with the finger injury. Now, I say this, and they'll come in and mop up the 49ers. But since week 10 of 2020, and I'll take out the games that Russ has injured, he is 15th in QBR, 21st in completion percentage, and 24th in first down completions. Dude, This is a guy that you and I said
1: was the third best quarterback overall in the NFL coming in. Hold on, this hold on. Season. I got, I got, but when we said that, did we not say this is pro- perhaps the worst third best overall quarterback we felt of all yes. time? Yes, um, we, we did both said, say that and we, we can pull that up that. right
0: now. Here's another thing I'm concerned about DK Metcalf the last three weeks,
1: MIA, and I'm not talking where my, the Dolphins play at either. <laughs>
0: no, yeah, three for 26, four for 31, and against Washington. One for 13. You're just not getting your playmakers involved. I, I feel like the last three weeks, dude, the last three weeks, their defense has been on the field for 79 plays, 79 plays, 70 plays, and that's against Washington, Arizona, and the Green Bay Packers. I'm expecting just huge shakeups of this offseason. And candidly, it probably starts. It shouldn't start with the quarterback, but I think at this point. Russ will be seeking greener pastures because there's just there's nothing there left for him to do and there's nothing left there for him to accomplish. And if I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, I'm coming to the realization just like 49ers fan did when Jim Jim Harbaugh walked out or uh, it was time for him to go, was like we're we're going to be in purgatory for a little bit, and that's going to happen. And I think that's happening for the Seahawks fans.
1: Well, I'm going to uh, project here. Uh, and I'm looking at my crystal ball here, and I see that there's going to be an amicable divorce between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And they both need this to happen. Seattle, no draft capital whatsoever. Don't forget. They gave away two first round picks with Jamal. Adams. One of
0: which is the third overall pick. Right I know. Now in the draft. I, I know.
1: So they have no draft capital. Uh They've struck out in their last like six drafts. You look at their top three uh, top three picks from the last six drafts. are pretty goddamn awful. So they need a draft capital. They need salary cap relief. Russell wants out of there. Uh, I think him and the head coach are kind of clashing a little bit. So I do, pro- if, if I'm projecting, like I said, it's really early right now. I'm looking at the team at the Giants, who have two first round draft picks uh, early this year. They can get it done. Uh you would normally say the Eagles, but you got to think about Jan there's they're actually a little uh, bullish on Jalen Hurts. Uh the Jets, so whoever the
0: early, Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, but they don't I don't think they have the capital as much as uh the Giants. Uh and I I, I still think if listen, if Tua continues to play like you always said he would, uh they're they're gonna want to keep him. <laughs> so uh like I said, my whole goal of this whole show <laughs> is just to piss you off. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I do think they're, they need to divorce, uh, you know, no, there's just the, the good old days are gone and they're done. So, and, and that's all
0: right. I right? like this is the NFL, like teams come back, it comes full circle. Like it's okay. Um, uh, but it's, it's a difficult thing. It's okay. Cause I'm watching this from the outside and I'm totally fine with this happening between you and I, but like it'll it'll be okay right like it'll it'll be okay things will turn around like this just happens like this just happens i was having this conversation with somebody today because of the new because of free agency and things like that dynasties are really hard to establish the The most frequent the most recent dynasty is the new england patriots there's nobody else even close there, there's nobody else even close that i would call a dynasty to that regard but if you go back to the 70s the 80s teams like the cowboys the steelers the 49ers 49ers. right because there was no free agency people sat on teams forever now everybody wants to go get paid now everybody's looking for the next contract now people are going to hey i played 10 years at this this team i need to go win a super bowl right like it just it's different mentalities change should be welcomed in the nfl right like and that's hard for a fan to accept but sometimes it's best for all parties involved to hit the reset button and go about this. And like you said, regain some capital. Like, don't let Russ go, Russ go for free. Like, get something in here so you can go draft somebody. And doesn't even have to be a quarterback right out of the gate. Go get a serviceable bridge Serviceable bridge in the meantime. And, you know, maybe the next year or two are a little rough. But we've seen it only takes one really good rookie quarterback on a rookie scale to go ahead and write the ship really fast.
1: Exactly. And actually, this, I think this will uh, segment – you just perfectly segmented the second reason why I'm freaking out. Uh you said, you know, a good rookie quarterback. You also said uh change should be welcome. And who else besides you know, besides the Cincinnati Bengals? I know Burrow's not a rookie quarterback, but they are the epitome of what you just said right there. Change, a good young quarterback, and their playoff chances. So if I'm Cincinnati and I'm a Cincinnati Bengal uh, fan, I'm freaking out about their playoff chances. They just defeated Big Brother. Oh, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way, for the second time this year. So sweat them. Uh, and their offense is really, really, really scary because they can win a multitude of ways. They can pound the rock with Mixon and they can air it out with Jamar, Chase, and Higgins. And the offensive line does just enough to keep uh, Burrow you know, upright. Uh, and let's, I, I told, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to put the bib on, get the fork, get the knife. Because uh, I'm about to eat some humble pie over the when we did our top 10 running backs, we uh said like you, I think you said that Mixon is, he, is he towards the end of your top 10 or he just missed. I think out? I had
0: at like eight or nine or something okay,
1: like that. And I, 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 didn't a nine maybe. I didn't understand that, I just felt like that was more for like um, <clears throat> what, what do you like about him? I just he's all hype, but this let this year he's proved all the doubters wrong, he's been staying on the field. Uh, in the last three games, he's averaged 118 rushing yards and two touchdowns a game. Uh, and it's just, it's just, uh, like I said, they can beat you a multitude of ways. Uh, that, 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 uh, Cincinnati Bengals offense. So, once again, uh, loving their playoff chances. And if I'm th- a fan, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for them, you know. What I
0: think's the craziest about them right now is you're right on all accounts. Um, but to me, the biggest surprise from this team has been on the defensive line. So, we talked about like, Why are you giving up Carl Lawson to bring in Trey Hendrickson? He's been balling. Hendrickson and the other guy. Sam Hubbard. Yeah, from Ohio
1: State. Yeah, he's been balling too. Balling,
0: bro. They are all over this field. Constant pressure. They're sack machines right now. I feel like Hubbard recovers a fumble every week. It's it's out of control. And I think coupled with everything that you just talked about um, in terms of their offensive production, with some consistency out of that defensive line and harassing quarterbacks, like they're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful. The only thing that I think they don't have going in their favor is if they, when they get into the playoff, because this is a playoff team, the inexperience amongst these playmakers, right? Like and amongst the people on the team and even within the head coach, it's not like Marvin Lewis is still there, right? Who's been there year over year with Andy Dalton and AJ green and everything that they had. Like this is, this is new to them. Um, but they are. I mean, they're high flying right now. And if I'm a bang, if I'm a bangle, if I'm a bungles fan, I'm like, yo, we are the bangles. We are not the bungles. We're the real deal.
1: Take off those paper bags, but you uh, off your head. Uh, but let's not forget where they play. The AFC North. So they play against tough sledding, man. Tough sledding. Not, not only tough teams, tough coaching too. Harbaugh twice a year, Tomlin twice a year, and Stefanski. Stay. I know them. I mean that team's been ravaged by injuries, but yep, yep. they're healthy. They're they're really formidable. The, uh, the Browns too, uh, so they go through some tough coaches, you know, throughout the year, you know, six times a year at minimum. So I I consider that uh, you know some experience there. But obviously the playoffs is a completely different animal,
0: totally different now. But you know Zach Taylor's got this team moving and and good for them. They've been actually a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right, so I'm gonna give my final freaking out and move it through real quick. Coincidentally, my other freaking out uh, also played on Monday night, and I'm for the Washington football team. Three consecutive wins. They yeah. actually now are the seventh seed in the playoff standings, and they were left for dead a few weeks ago. Left for dead, right? Like everybody counted them out. Everybody was, oh, where's the defensive line? This vaunted defensive line. And they're just finding other ways to win. Dude, they de- beat the defending Super Bowl champs pretty convincingly, actually. And they mm-hmm. beat them. Um, I think that the game against Seattle, the score says it's a lot closer than it was, but it took like one final like miracle drive from the Seahawks to even bring it into that that contention. But Washington statistically statistically dominated that game. Here's the good news: Antonio Gibson looking healthy, running the ball well. Finally, yeah, you're now bringing back Logan Thomas, and maybe we could finally see a little bit of Curtis Samuel, who's been riding the pine and been out on injury for a little while. And you and I touted him as a, a big free agent find and a weapon for them um you know albeit we thought ryan's fit ryan uh fitzpatrick was going to be the quarterback throughout this entire season but again it's taylor heineke but even heineke is just he's just battling man he's just grinding he's like finding ways you mentioned something earlier that that stands out fitzpatrick? to patrick <laughs> yeah um with less of a beer the thing that i think best about Heineke is like, I feel like he just understands his role and his, his role like a quarterback's job, Lou is not to always go win the football game. This is the ultimate team sport, right? But the ball does touch their hands more than any other player on any side of the ball. Their job is to not lose the football game. And I feel like Heineke takes that to heart. Like I don't see him out there trying to do too much and making a mistake, but I see him letting it rip from time to time, but being conservative with football. And I think that that bodes them, them well. Um, and here's the reality. Like, are they finding their winning formula and hitting their stride at the right time of the year? It certainly feels like they are the only two games behind Dallas and Dallas has been less. I checked. They've been struggling. They've been struggling mm-hmm. to do their last big, their last win. I'll be a big, no, no, it was Atlanta like they beat up on Atlanta like that, that? But like that's it, right? I mean, we've seen them lose to the Chiefs now. We've seen them lose to the, the Oakland, uh, Las Vegas Raiders at this point. So I think there's actually some excitement in the AFC East right now. And I think Washington's they're going to make a charge. Are they going to get all the way there? Probably not, and win the division. Are they going to make a push for the playoffs? Hundred percent. And I think it, there's a strong likelihood that they find themselves in it.
1: Now they're not the most talented team. I think we would, they're not, but not that they don't have any, but there's plenty of teams that are more talented than them. However, like I've said, time and time again, it's all about coaching and they have a hell of a good coach. Ron Rivera is
0: as good as they come. And I don't care how much talent you have on a football team. You don't play like a team. Talent doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Look at the new England Patriots, dude. And like we talked about with their dynasty, They didn't have a super talented team. They didn't have – their biggest superstar throughout any of those years was definitively Randy Moss, right? Like, was their biggest, like, superstar. You find people who buy in, who lay it all on the line for one another and buy into team concepts. That's how you win football games. This is still the ultimate team sport. Like, look at Tom Brady, dude. You're going to tell me Tom Brady is the most athletically gifted individual you've ever met? No but he puts the team first and he's the probably one of the smartest and most motivated players that you will ever. And, and that works right. And that's going to work for him no matter where he goes. Cause people believe in it and buying it around him. So I agree with you. They're probably actually the least talented roster, maybe on the offensive side of the ball in the a- a- NFC East, but they're going to make a push for this thing, dude.
1: Yeah, no, listen, I had them win the division. Um, uh... Boy would they make me look smart if Dallas chokes <laughs> and they and they win it. <laughs> Woo! But uh, I, I digress again. All right, so I think we're All talking right. about offensive players now.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say let's uh let's pick it up our, our step a little bit. We are mm-hmm. talking about offensive players of the week. Um, give me number one for you, Lou.
1: Well, what's the theme of this show, Weston? To piss you off piss me off baby all right you ready daniel carlson kicker of the las vegas raiders is my offensive player of the week went five (laughs) for five for field goals long of a 56 yard field goal three for three for extra points and oh yeah the game winner in big d um so i'm saying my boy your boy daniel carlson is the offensive player of the week how you like that
0: how you like me now uh i'll tell you this lou you have you failed in pissing me off i've been telling you how kickers are people too when we're talking about fantasy (laughs) football and how they you know my kickers have been carrying my some of my teams this week so better luck next segment to see if that continues hey i'll keep on trying all right listen give it the old college effort yep my number one player i think is probably the most obvious since you took a kicker i'll just take the low hanging fruit It's it's leonard fournette went 17 for a buck three TDs, seven for 31, and a TD. And it was like the first game in a long time that I've watched of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where I got to watch somebody else single-handedly win this game. That's name was not Tom Brady
1: Against miraculously
0: things that he does.
1: Against a difficult rushing defense. Very difficult. uh,
0: Dude, you and I talked about it with Jason. We were like, I don't know, like with Fournette, because of this this run D, and it felt like the offense was going to go through Brady, um, and Fournette balled out. Fournette balled out, dude. You got another one?
1: I got Joe Mixon, uh, 28 carries. I mean, I, I was talking to him before, but 28 carries, 165 rushing yards, two touchdowns, average 5.9 yards per carry. So uh, once again, Joe Mixon, and he's probably licking his chops too because he got the charges up coming uh, this next week.
0: Yep, I got a couple more, but I'll, I'll just stay with one just for time purposes and we'll get in. So I'm going to go with Cordell Patterson. Um, went for 16 for a 108 in two TDs. He had two receptions for 27 yards. Uh, this one, he gets the nod for me because he's the next vol. I've loved Cordero since he's come to the NFL. And I just feel like this is finally the time where a team has truly taken advantage of his supreme athleticism and skill set. Do you keep in mind? He was a first round draft pack, first round draft pick in Minnesota, the year that they actually had three first round picks, which is like crazy that a team ever had that. And he was one of those. I think he was their last one. If I don't, if I remember correctly, Um, either, neither here nor there, but he's been around the league. Right. And I think teams have, I think new England got really close. They were the first team that was like, let me put this guy in the backfield and see what he can do and run. But like, bro, he is literally the, the lifeline of the Atlanta Falcons offense right now. And he's just, he's just doing everything for them. Uh, I think they could get him even more involved in the passing game. They just need him as a running back because they had nobody else for Matt Ryan to turn around and hand the ball off to.
1: They just gave uh, came out with a depth a depth chart, I think he's the third safety on that team too. Oh, he's, he's
0: like this. He's the assistant head coach at this point. He does he's everything right for right. them. All right, let's get to the the de- <laughs> shout out to Jalen Waddle. By the way, big big week for him. I always gotta give a wide receiver some love here. What about Tua? Uh,
1: who about Tua, man? <laughs> bro,
0: I am never going to talk about Tua Tug of Viola until right. I'm proven right. All right, so let's hop on to the defensive side of the ball. Who you got? Who's your number one defensive player of the
1: week? You got the sniffles well,
0: tonight, bro, huh? I, I
1: do. I do. I do. Uh, I, I've been having night allergies. Uh, this is the the perks of getting old uh, yeah, night just, allergies now. Yeah. Dust right? mites are exactly. in our world. Yeah. So, uh, uh, first, we're going to stay in Miami uh, for my defensive player of the week. I'm going to say Jalen Phillips, four tackles, three tackles for a loss, three sacks. Uh, and by the way, he's probably had a pretty productive uh, a rookie campaign this year. He has six and a half sacks for the year. So shout out to Jalen Phillips because he really bowled out this past week.
0: So I gave an honorable mention to the entire Miami defense.
1: Yes, because uh, they um... – they...
0: This is I've only I've given a game ball to a defense, an entire defense before. And subsequently, it was the Miami Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. This is how I was so easily able to argue that point against Tua and being put in opportunistic situations. I mean, Miami, dude, they held Carolina to 10 of 31 passing, forced three picks had a fumble recovery and five sacks on the game, bro. They made all
1: against, all against your boy, Cam Newton, super cam.
0: Can't <laughs> wait to talk back. about that on Sunday when we He's do our back. not victory lap. Yeah. Um, It, but they, they balled. All right. So the low hanging fruit here for me, Don't do I'll it. take it. I'll take it. Aziz oh, Okay. Good. from the 49ers. So he had eight tackles. He had a fumble recovery. He had a pick and a pass defense in a game when Dre Greenlaw was re-injured Fred Warner injured to me. He just stepped up big time. Now I know I was most intently watching that game beyond any game, but all over the field, um, I honestly, I think eight tackles is a miscalculation. If I went back and touted, I was looking at like 12 or 13 that he was involved in, but I'm going off of statistics that I guess are formal statistics. Uh, But dude, it's just, Outright coming into his own and, and making a name for himself, and it could not come at a better time for the 49ers defense.
1: I also had Patrick Sertain, uh, his son, not uh, not the father. Uh, the father <laughs> is retired by now. Uh, but Patrick Sertain had five tackles, two interceptions, and that backbreaker of a touchdown, pick six. Uh, he did really good against the Chargers this past weekend.
0: I'm my my second my second and final. I'm going John Franklin Myers from the New York Jets. Yes, three tackles, two sacks, a pass defense, and an INT from a defensive end. And the Jets did what you and I said they would do and be foolish and go beat the Houston Texans. And he was a part of that. Um, he had himself a game for sure.
1: He did. He did. Anytime we kind of could show either Jeff fans some love or make fun of them and mock them. I'm for it. So I'm on, I'm for both sides of the spectrum.
0: Well, I just did both in one statement. I gave yeah. them some love and then said they were stupid for going to win the football <laughs> game. Um, but I'm here. I'm on the jets bandwagon. Cause you know, dude, like, you know, I'm a fan of the head coach. Robert Salas, my guy, um, and I, I think they're going to be all right. I just think it's going to take time.
1: Like this yeah. is one of those things they got to they
0: got to rebuild and they got to rebuild right.
1: Is that why your 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 infliction went up in your voice? Yeah, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that sounds real confident. I
0: right just want to. I just want to tag New York Jets when I post this video and yeah. them confident. Yeah. Listen,
1: yeah, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, be all right. <laughs> all Can't with right. the trade face. So ahead. week
0: week thirteen is coming.
1: Yes, it is.
0: What are you watching?
1: All right. I'm watching the Bills versus the Patriots for the Battle of the AFC East. The Patriots come in this week at eight and four. The Bills are seven and four. Uh, New England's on a six game winning streak. They beat the Jets, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Browns, Atlanta, and Tennessee, and have done it with an old fashioned way of football their running game and their defense. Among their winning streak, the Chargers are the only team to score, uh, to put up 20 plus points in any of those games. So their defense has been balling out. Buffalo on their hands, tail of two uh, cities right now. They've been somewhat on a roller coaster and inconsistent the last six weeks. They are three and three with losses against the Titans, the Jaguars, and the Colts and wins against the Dolphins, Jets, and Saints. So it's not exactly Murderers Road that they beat uh, you know, uh, in those three wins. I'm interested to see do the ghost of, you know, the New England pass do they come and haunt the Bills and show show Buffalo that now just cause Brady's not here, you know, we're, we're still, we're still contenders and we're still the, the big brothers of this AFC East.
0: This is number one on my list too. Yeah. Um New England's arguably the hottest team in football right now. <laughs> Has um, to be. Yeah. And Buffalo is back in the win column, regardless of who the opponent was, which I believe right now puts them first in the AFC East, even though they have similar records, mm-hmm. This game has got serious playoff implications, right? Like the winner of this game is now looking at a home playoff game, right? And it's continuing to surge up. Might be looking at home field advantage, depending upon how the rest of the season goes. Like this game um, has some extreme significance to it. And we'll talk about who we think is going to win in, in a moment here, but I'll move on. Me, item number two on my list is Chargers versus Bengals. Dude, this is a big game.
1: Yeah, I actually have that number two in my list, too, but I have more Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow because these guys are going to be – their legacy is going to be tied hand-in-hand, hand, just like Eli and Rivers uh, and Big Ben were. So uh, they're always going to be tied every time they play each
0: other. I think it goes without saying, watching this game, I'm watching the quarterbacks, right? One thing I always try to keep in mind is the quarterbacks don't actually go against each other, right? Like they – um, But you're right. Like they're going to be hand in hand for their professional careers, where they were drafted, etc. You can include your boy Tua in that conversation. Our, our
1: boy, our boy. <laughs> your
0: I'm gonna boy. I'm going to make you very look clear about that. <laughs> Yo,
1: Weston. I'm going to make you look smart when Tua no, starts.
0: I out. will make myself look dumb. I don't care. I I, <laughs> I know what my eyes tell me. Um, and they haven't lied to me so far about this guy, but. To me, this is what's important about this game. The Chargers need to bounce back in the worst way, and they need to do it against a formidable opponent. Um, Has to be done, Um, especially off of a a divisional loss, and they need to win to maintain the playoff seating, right? They lose, and somebody else wins. Like Now they're on the cusp versus being in the playoffs. And since he's rolling right now, and they're coming off a huge divisional win, smacking Big Brother right in the mouth for the second time this year, can they keep that going? Here's my biggest question, and here's the matchup that I'm I'm most intrigued in because you've talked about this as being an area of deficiency for the Chargers all season. Can they stop Joe Mixon and the running game of the Cincinnati Bengals?
1: No. Next, <laughs> next question.
0: You got any other game that you want to call out by any chance? Uh, those
1: are, I had the Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow. If you look at Burroughs' stats, he's uh, 235 uh, for 339, uh, 69%. Nice completion percentage, uh, 2,800 yards passing, 8.4 yards average. He's averaging 264 yards a game, 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That comes out at 101.6 uh, rating right there. Herbert, 289 for 438, 66% completion uh 3200 yards, 7.4 average, 315 yards a game, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 96.5 rating. Translation both are really good. Burrow's a little more efficient. Uh Herbert puts up more gaudier go- stats uh so.
0: Okay. Here we go. So let's get into I'll just I'm just going to quickly shout out the yeah, uh, Steelers Ravens game, just because I, you know, dude, I say this every week and I feel like I'm on a broken record, but love me some divisional games and I love me some AFC North divisional games yeah. because that's the black and blue division. Um, love it. I don't think Pittsburgh really has much of a chance, but it, you never know. It's a divisional game.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: So we're going to run through the schedule for week Let's 13. Do Let's do it quick. Last week, you were seven and eight. Ooh, I've been bad I- the last two weeks. I was eight and seven. So I picked up a game on you. So second week in se- a row. Yep. So for the season, you are 57, 42 and one. I am 53, 46 and one.
1: So I'm four up on there.
0: Yes. Four up. Yeah. All right. So you ready? Let's do it. No time at like the present time. I got my trusty notebook out. I learned there's so much easier just to be able to circle during <laughs> right? the
1: games than it was.
0: All right. Thursday night, Cowboys Saints.
1: Got to go Cowboys here. They're getting Cooper back, and I I think they'll get Lamb back. I know they've been slumping a little bit, but I just feel like uh, they missed some pieces there. So uh, I'm going to say Cowboys. I'm
0: going to say Cowboys, too. I don't think Cooper will be back, though. I've read he's, like, reeling a little bit from this. Like, I, I think he had COVID, like, pretty bad. Um and he's still suffering through, but I I, I really honestly don't care if, if Cooper's if Cooper's playing great, but even if he's not, I still think the Cowboys got this.
1: Then no, that's his issue. He's not listening to Joe Rogan. He's gonna need to take more a horse to warmer. Then it's called Ivermectin, bro. <laughs> um, get get your shit
0: straight. <laughs> all right. So let's get into the Sunday matchups. Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm I'm TB on this all day as well uh chargers cincinnati cincinnati in cincy at one
1: o'clock it just
0: uh yeah i'm in i'm in c too, just because on the road
1: road, one o'clock like no samuel for the chargers that's going to hurt them with their passing the the stop in the pass. it's just there's just too many things to worry about the cincinnati offense they're they're multi-dimensional like i said so vikings at lions I still I go Vikings. Still, uh, I know Cook won't play. Uh, I I do feel that Matt Matt. When any time Madison's number is called, he's a baller, man. He 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 answers the bell. He's a perfect, you know, uh, compliment to Dalvin Cook. They won't miss a beat there. Uh, they they played good against your Niners. I still think they win.
0: I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions. Law of averages. Law of averages. But also like, remember I, I said that like, I said if the Lions didn't win last week, I'm no longer taking them. And dude, what were they four seconds away from proving me right the, against the Chicago Bears And I know the Bears are a lesser team than Minnesota. I just feel like a divisional game gives them the best shot where you're gonna see shit by Dan Campbell and these teams that you've never, seen before like they're gonna pull out
1: but they're missing all they're- of the
0: stops but they're missing deandre swift but yeah so whatever. that's the biggest that's biggest a fan big- that's that's a fantasy player that's not he's not an impact player on that team right now dude he's a fan who
1: is player. an impact player on that team josh reynolds uh, next all right so you're taking the lines i am so. taking the
0: lines you heard it here first divisional uh, game i'm just saying the divisional game and i feel like i agree with you Alexander Madison is a phenomenal football player. He's a number one if he's not behind Dalvin Cook and other teams. And I don't think they'll miss a beat in that regard. What I'm looking at is that was a really defeating loss against the 49ers in a game that I promise you Minnesota felt like they should have won. And sometimes those are tough to re- recover from. And that's, I'm just, and the Lions have nothing to lose and I don't foresee them not going this entire season without winning a single game, I think they have a shot here. That's being said, G-Man at Dolphins.
1: I'm going Dolphins, uh, especially with uh, – not that it should matter too much, but Daniel Jones is, might not play this this weekend, so uh, you would like to uh, – that's why I like to have, make these picks a little later on in the week to know about the more of the injury reports. Yeah. So right now you're just shooting from the hip here. But if I would say, I think the Dolphins stay hot.
0: Yeah, I think the, I think the Fish win. Um, it's so, so it funny carries everybody been, texts right? me – yeah obviously <laughs> god almighty um, when will this just go away so the I had a buddy text me the other day and he's like bro I'm trying to save my fantasy team do you trust Sterling Shepard with Mike Glennon I was like I don't trust anybody with Mike Glennon let's move on and go to the next I don't trust um,
1: Mike's Glenn, Mike Glennon's wife with Mike Glennon yeah
0: exactly um, honestly I don't think it matters if Danny Dimes plays or Glennon plays I, 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 think, uh, I think the Dolphins, home game, stay hot, continue to to roll. And their defense is, like, finally getting back to the defense of 2020, in my opinion. All right, uh, Eagles at Jets.
1: I do say Eagles. You have to be concerned about uh, Hurts. Um, Who's their backup? Oh, Tyler Minshew? Oh, Eagles doesn't matter. They're going to win no matter what.
0: Yeah, I got the Eagles, too. I do think this is going to be a difficult game for them because I think they're going back. Some teams just struggle in the Meadowlands, dude. Like, what is this, Turf Monster, like, whatever it is, and have to play there consecutive weeks. Uh, but I think last week is as bad as it's going to get for Philly, and I think they'll rebound. And yeah. the Jets are just not a formidable opponent right now, in all honesty. So but you'll
1: think they'll be fine, though, you said, right? <laughs> yeah, but
0: not this year, bro.
1: Over time. They, it's year
0: one of the rebuild. Give me a little – bit of slack here and i'll be right on this i promise you
1: dude you're one of the they've been rebuilding for the last 15 years
0: this is the robert sala error things Ah, are changing bro what other head coach you know gets up and straight up runs the stadium stairs before every single game this man is an animal the charges head coach does that i'm sure no he does not Does he really? yeah staley does yeah he got it from sala they probably coach on the same staff somewhere along the way all right colts texans
1: colts
0: yeah i'm i'm in here as well the washington football team versus the las vegas raiders
1: this one's a tough one um who's home raiders raiders
0: i'll tell you right now i'm going washington if that gives you any cause for concern
1: Ooh, this one this one this one's going to be an interesting one um uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. Ra- uh, no, sorry, I was gonna say Redskins. By the way, Ooh, I hope I didn't offend our, our, our listeners there. Uh, I'm gonna say Washington football team. Uh, if you look the last three weeks, the Raiders defense have ranked 32 on like almost every category there is when it comes to you know ranking and defense. Uh, I just think, yeah, I'm just gonna go Washington on that. All right, Jags, Rams. The bleeding has to stop for the Rams, right? Has to. Even though these Jags are, are, they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, Goliath they're Goliath. They're, they're Goliath killers, man. They kill the, the Bills, but, no, but I, I definitely going Rams.
0: Yeah, the I agree with you. The bleeding has to stop.
1: All right. Ravens, Steelers. Ravens. Uh, this Steelers team is lethargic, lost. Yep. Yeah. 49ers, Seahawks. But you're saying yeah, I'm assuming you're agreeing with them, I'm right? Ravens, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Ravens, yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? Last week I picked the Niners and No, you didn't you picked the Vikings. No, no, hear me out. If you go back to the audio, I picked the Niners and changed then I changed my mind. Um I felt like you talked me out of it, and I'm a sucker for peer pressure, I'll tell you right now. Uh, apparently, I can yeah, Talk you in
0: any direction me. these days. Talk yeah, <laughs> and any, anything.
1: So um I just don't see any life. I mean, the Seahawks signed Adrian Peterson. Their defense is awful. Uh, Like you said, they've been on the field so much. I don't care.
0: Short week, too. Short week, right? Monday night to to come back and play
1: Sunday. It has to be San Francisco. But what I'm nervous about is kind of like you said before. Big brother. Yeah, just some teams just play you tough. I still think San Francisco. Francisco, But I think it's going to be real close. I I would feel better if uh, Debo was playing.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a slop fest, if you ask me, right? Like, I just think there's going to be a lot of inefficient play um, from both offenses. Um, I am picking the 49ers because they have to win this game. They should win this game. They are by far and away, in my opinion, right now, based on the rosters that are being fielded, the superior team. But the NFL is funny that way. And the NFL is real funny that way. Um, but I am picking the 49ers. Okay. Broncos chiefs chiefs. Yeah. I'm chiefs too.
1: Broncos are not good. Uh, I, I know all the stats you can throw out there and their record or what have you, but the the chiefs will smack them around.
0: All right, here we go. Monday night. This is what we've been waiting for. Pats or bills.
1: Make it seven. I'm going New England. Uh, White is out for the year. That's a huge blow for that team. Yeah, Davis White
0: out hurts big time. And guess
1: what? Buffalo can't do stop Stop the the run. run. Guess what? New England has they have two running backs who are physical, bruising running backs. Uh, Give me New England.
0: I feel like you were right.
1: I know. How many times we? we got to take a shot every time you agree with me because I feel like we'd be wasted by now. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. Um, my, everything in my gut says New England, but my heart says Buffalo needs to win this football game, has to win this football game.
1: What, what does your mind say? You went your heart, your gut, your mind, your bowels? Any other...
0: My mind says New England. My, my mind says New England too, but my armpit says Buffalo Bills. So we're going Buffalo Bills on Monday night, baby. Bills Mafia, baby. Let's go, Bills. I'm throwing motherfuckers through a table when all's said and done. Hopefully, um, <laughs> this is also about making up ground, just so we're clear. Um, there's and you've been doing left. it the last couple of weeks, by the way. I know. I shouldn't have let you. You had like two picks that you changed. You took. You almost took the Texans over the Jets. That would have gave me two games on you. Know? Yeah,
1: but I had, I had a moment of clarity.
0: You did have a moment of clarity. All right, let's re- let's cap us off here a little bit. Let's get into our favorite segment um, real quick. I know it's early in the week, but let's get into who you got your, who you got your eye on from a fantasy perspective this weekend.
1: Well, you briefly touched upon uh, this player uh, earlier in this show, Logan Thomas. He had six targets on Monday night, catching three for thirty-one. He almost had a touchdown that got overturned. Uh, and the reason why, another reason why I'm bullish on Logan Thomas is because a he was second on the team is six targets. I think only, um, uh, what's his name? McLaurin had seven targets, uh, you know, uh, and also B, McKissick. I think it's doubtful to play because he's dealing with a concussion. So when you factor in that, the Raiders are also awful against tight ends, I, I'm feeling confident throwing Logan Thomas in that tight end spot.
0: Yeah. Um, I like Logan Thomas, to, to, to perform and do well as well. He look good. I'm in starting, the first I'm from action. League, yeah, I am as well. Um, I uh, started him last week. I had no choice in another league, and he wasn't even my tight end. It was in a f- a flex position. That's how hurt I am in one league. I'm looking at Jamal Williams this week. He's the only show in town with Swift out for a bit. Uh, the Vikings' D line and their entire defense, honestly, is is banged up, pretty pretty good right now. Uh, he catches the ball out of the backfield, like I said, being the only show in town. He's likelihood that he'll see a couple series as like a three down back, so maybe a couple carries. Uh, catch on the backfield from Jared, check down Goff. Uh, he's probably been on your bench for most of the season uh, or, or the for, waiver. for a lot of people or, or the okay. waiver. Um, but to me, this is the week, if any week, you got to get him in the lineup. Well, I mean, so what I, I'm what picking I, the lines to win, baby.
1: Yeah. What I said on our show when we did our fancy show with Jason, what I say, that it was imperative to do. Get your handcuffs.
0: handcuffs yeah. Yep. Get
1: your handcuffs. So, I am, yeah, I agree with you. Jamal Williams is on my list. Also, I have Madison as well versus Detroit. I think both will be fine. Uh, So, yes, people, get your handcuffs. Don't get cute. We're getting close to that playoff season right now. Uh, Another – I'm going to get a little cheap here, but Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, I'm saying this because if Hurts does play, I don't expect them to use Hurts as a running back per se, meaning like I don't expect them to – have a lot of design run, runs for him. I think they will lean heavily on their running backs by committee, so I'm saying the Eagles backfield uh and they're going against the Jets. So, I think that can be that's usually a recipe for success. So, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, um are two uh two players I'm I'm feeling confident putting in my uh my starting lineup.
0: All right. Well, I got another one for you. Go ahead. I dropped his name earlier. Josh (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: right. I'd let you play me before him. Josh Reynolds. Lou, look at me. Two Detroit Lions from a team that hasn't won a game this entire season. But to me, Josh Reynolds is actually finally healthy. If you go back in the early season, a little bit of production before he got banged up. Look what he did last week in his first back. But what most people are forgetting is this guy played for years in L.A., with Jared Goff and was a huge third down option for him. He was like that unforgotten son when people were trying to cover up Cooper cup and look and looking at Robert Woods, like this guy made, he was like the Kendrick Bourne of the 49ers for a while, right? Just big time, third down catches and whatnot. Last week he had five targets. He had three receptions, 70 yards touchdown. Um, And I, and I also feel like I said before with the Jamal Williams thing, I don't feel like Minnesota's, defense outside of like Harrison Smith is super productive right now. Anthony Barr went down in the game last week, right? So you're looking at Harrison Smith, um, Kendricks, that's it. There's nine other guys out there. Like Patrick Peterson is not the Patrick Peterson that we all remember. Um, I think think Reynolds has every opportunity to have a good game here.
1: I I was a big fan of Josh Reynolds coming out of Texas a and I just felt like he always was so – uh below on the on the depth chart there uh so yeah uh you know what i'm gonna see if he's available in one of my leagues you know what? i might start him because i have i'm i have debo out and i need another uh know, wide receiver so i'll i'll take a look and see if he's available i'll play him and then i'll call you out or shout you out next uh next uh uh next uh show can't wait i'm looking right now
0: Do you got anybody else because no. i got one more i got one more go, player throughout russell gage is the other one. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay secondaries nicked up. He's actually become a heavy target for Matt Ryan as of late. Three of the last four weeks, he's had eight plus targets per game. And obviously, no Ridley there. I'm just thinking about game flow and garbage time on how this is going to go, right? Like, I'm thinking this is a week he could easily see eight to 10 targets. If he gets you five or six catches for 50, 50 60 yards. 10 plus fantasy points might be the plug and play that some people are looking for with bye weeks this week with injuries. Um, You know, Russell Gage is somebody I think is probably in, in most people's on most people's bench, but this might be a week that he, you should find him into uh, your playing rotation, your starting lineup. So Lou, I think that does it for us this week.
1: Just picked Uh, up Josh Reynolds. So I I will. uh, Yeah. So I will uh, let you know how it goes. And
0: we're going to let the world know how it goes. I have a feeling. Yes. So, so all
1: millions of our listeners.
0: <laughs> Lou, as always, I appreciate spitting with you for, for a little while here. Um, as I always do, I will rely on you to tell the millions and millions of listeners as to where they can find us.
1: As always, you can find us on Twitter and the best Instagram page out there at WTF pod NFL. Check us out, man.
0: Give us a shout on YouTube at We're Talking Football. Uh, hit the likes. Hit the subscribes, please. Uh, that, that will help rise our content up, to get a, a few more viewers, a few more, more action on us. And uh, as always, Lou, I, I look forward to wrapping to again next week when we recap uh, week 13. Uh, best of luck to your Chargers. Best of luck to my 49ers. But for this evening, sir, that's a wrap. Adiós.